Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head to Denmark this week with Martin Zandervelt's 2015 post-World War II epic, Land of Mine. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yep. And Nate did not pass training, so that go- that's how that went. Um, so guys, what'd you think? Uh, well, I've seen it before, and um, I, uh, I I saw it when it first came out, and I was very impressed with it. I still think it's very good. Um, it's a very... Uh, you know, I I always like something that kind of shows a different perspective in this terms. You know, in this term, in this uh, for these terms, uh, the uh, you know, post-war type stuff um, and what happened after that because no one really thinks about that and what went into that. Obviously, yeah, after the war, there was tons of shit that needed to be cleaned up and um, uh, and this just the mine parts along the uh, the coastline was a, was a tiny part of that. So, um. It's yeah, it's something that not a lot of people think about, and then also it has a sympathetic, uh, you know, uh, stance on the whole thing with these these kids that uh, you know a lot of them, all these kids who had to do this, who were you know basically fodder for the German army, and now they're they survived, now they have to deal with all this shit. So uh, I think it's really interesting. It's very unique, and um, yeah, I I think it's I think it's great. But you, Mike. Yeah, same thing as like it's um it's a never really talked about story of like you know although they talked about rebuilding Germany in this film like I'm gonna go back I'm gonna be a bricklayer and I'm gonna rebuild Germany it's like well there's damage that's done in every country that was occupied and this is a prime example of that shit and yeah I mean it's still like I I don't think those guys got all the mines because there was reports of people walking out on the beach or just in any area where they laid mines after the war, they thought they got them cleaned up and they died or got mm-hmm. severely dismembered. Yeah. Happened quite a bit. Yep. And it's, it's the same in any war, you know, to, to this day where mines are a thing, but like, uh, yeah, it, it kind of showed a, a very little talked about uh, piece of history that they made these guys, these kids go, and do this. And like they said at the end, like most of them died or got severely fucked up doing this after the war. And it's like, yeah, to an extent I can get the, uh, the, um, the, um, animosity and everything. And like the, you guys did this, you guys are going to clean it up. But on a human level, that's not true. Uh, because they're not the ones that planted the mines. They were just wearing a uniform of the people who did. So that's the problem. You know, there's always guilt by association. And, uh, yeah, a lot of these kids, like you said, were drafted and had nothing to do with the, you know, North Wall defenses or any of that mine laying. But wrong place, wrong time, away it goes. Um, no, it's an interesting movie. It, it's a very interesting take, you know, on a war film and everything. Just being just after the war and not focusing on, you know, direct combat and everything. But the drama that comes from it. And, um... One of my favorite quotes is that the Battle of the Falaise Pocket happened in August of 1944. It was like three weeks long. 
they cleared it out in 1964. It took exactly 20 years for them to remove all the destroyed German tanks and British armor and American armor from like a you know 20 square mile area of France. So that kind of just puts in perspective how insane the fighting was and how intense the ordnance uses was. Like even today you hear about, I think once or twice every year, you know, they find a bomb and they have to evacuate people and they have to have a detonate explosion and everything. Um, there's so much shit that's left behind. And I forget the name of it, but there's a really good post-war German movie. It's like 1946 or 47 about an, an ordnance unit that's like working in Hamburg and like all the crazy dramas they have to go through to like disarm allied bombs that are still left in all the, the rubble and shit. So it's pretty cool. But um, no, it's a very interesting movie. Very uh, interesting take in the war. I didn't, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but I didn't have too much connection to the characters and stuff. I felt like it was a bit repetitive, but that's something that you're just going to have with this type of film. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like in a way Hurt Locker, where if you don't really engineer a lot of crazy shit, then it's just kind of the same monotonous. But they did do a good job to build a plot in the story. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I uh, so like, uh, give me an example of that, like what you're talking about. You did, like the characters you thought were kind of one dimensional, basically. Yeah. I don't know. This like the relationship with the family and the kids. Just, mm. I don't know. I just wasn't for me. <laughs> wasn't for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the um, the sergeant character a lot. Um, you know, I think that's the that's really kind of the the most interesting part of the film is this guy. You know, who uh, he's is like a, a real vicious son of a bitch. You know, but uh, and understandably hates what he's doing but you know it, it eventually the humanity of everything that's going on kind of you know he does have an arc is what i'm saying which uh which i like that with that character i think that's a really good character that guy actually has been in a ton of stuff i forgot his name the actor but uh i thought that was uh in terms of performances and characters i thought he was pretty strong and it was like the little things you could see like with the verbiage because initially they're so harsh with them and everything and then it's like okay you're doing a good job and yeah, it was nice to see that. Yeah, I mean, how you you cannot you know uh, have sympathy for someone's twin brother being blown up in front of them. You know that whole part where he has to calm that kid down by giving him morphine and everything like that. Like you can tell that's like weighing hard on him, um, and that's kind of in my opinion when things start to really shift for him, where he's he's you know starts being more soft with them and uh to a point to where he he thinks that oh, i've been too soft with them which results in his dog dying and that's probably why nate didn't actually want to be on this because uh he could not stand the dog being being blown up it was hard to watch and i knew it was coming and yeah yeah they put that dog in there you know it's gonna happen my dog got a lot of treats after that just gonna say that so you know here's some hands that's the now, I'll, I'll say this with the movie that that is one thing like there's there are movies where like you just know sometimes like you're dead or like that's gonna happen and that was then this movie like the redheaded kid the first casualty the one whose arms got blown off um his first scene in the in the little cabin is like when i get home i'm gonna be doing this i'm like oh yeah you're totally dead but <laughs> you know <laughs> so that's just that's just how it goes with movies sometimes but I still, still thought it was, still think it's great. What I really love about this, and then I'll shut up and whatever people talk. Also, is um, the um, all of the the little details with the German prisoners, like their uniforms, how it's all like 
super bare bones and shit like that. Some of them have civilian clothes on. Um, their hats are all stripped of their insignia and stuff. Uh, that's it's just like that's how it would have looked. They would not have been, you know, they would not have had like their epaulets or anything like that. I thought that was really cool. That late war stuff where everything is just so fucked, you know, when it comes to the uniforms. The only things they really have are their belts and their canteens. Well, what else do you need if you're a POW? <laughs> you know, and a mess Yeah, kit. but it's like, I could see, I could totally see another movie doing it to where it's like, the only thing they don't have are their guns. You know, I could totally see movies do that, but I like how stripped these, uh, the prisoners looked in it, you know? And, and again, how the, the diversity in the uniforms, like the, like the main German kid, he's wearing like a tropical tunic. Um, one of the twins just has the drillic on the, uh, the work, uh, uh, tunic and, uh, just little things like that, like how at the end of the war, how fucked everything was that they would just have to scramble with whatever they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put so much shit into storage during the war as they, you know, reshoot or they issued out later war stuff. So at the very end of the war, you see insane combinations of like M36 here tunics and like Luftschultz helmets, you know, like mm-hmm. just very interesting yeah, one, combinations. One of the one of the twins has a Luftwaffe belt buckle, mm-hmm. you know. And his other his other brother doesn't. So yeah, it's like just whatever he could have found, you know, in those last few days of the war, probably. Yeah, no, it's a good mix, you know. Because <laughs> then again, you expect like them the prop department to only buy one of something. So it's like, yeah. oh, they're all here, guys, from the same platoon or something. So no. that was cool. Yeah, the the helmets were nice too, but they were unfortunately they didn't repaint them. And they're Which, uh, what, the the German helmets. German helmets. Uh, so those were uh, Czech fire brigade post war painted helmets. Oh, the kit. Yeah, it's like a. Black they're all black. Color. They're all yeah. black. Yep. And there, you can tell they've got several layers of paint on them. And it's like, just <laughs> give it a spritz of Feldgrau. You don't have to put a decal on it. You don't have to do that. It's an M forty two or even an M forty. Yeah. But just put a spritz of Feldgrau on the outside. I did. I yeah. I didn't make note of that, but that now look thinking about it now, I was like, yeah, those helmets were pretty dark. Yeah, they were legit. Yeah, but they were uh, black, mm-hmm. which is funny. If they spoke so. Czech and were a little bit less orderly, they'd make a great post-war Czech fire team because <laughs> right. yeah. they wore there a bunch go. of the same shit. <laughs> yeah, it's that's like the only thing I could really um, pick out. Like, I don't think that one kid would have been wearing his fucking uh, uh, splinter smock. I don't think he would have been wearing that. I think that would have been stripped off before he got to his camp and all that shit. Yeah. But, he didn't even have a tunic underneath it was his like his uh, shirt shirt yeah 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 so maybe he kept it on for like warmth i don't know but like i, I don't i don't i don't see the danish guys like allowing him to wear that shit out there german smocks are so thin like they don't really yeah. provide much so the parkas yeah. are great but yeah all that camouflage shit very rarely made it to the camps so unless you're wearing pants or something like they couldn't be taken off quickly yeah so yeah, that's about it. Like the uniforms were actually pretty good. Like you said, there's a good mi- uh, mismatch. Yeah, shit. I, that's what I liked a lot about it. Um, one of the kids, I think it's Ludwig. Uh, he's just wearing like a black coat that he found. It's not yeah. even military. Well, a lot issue. of those guys were like um, that's very late war. Like it's not Volkssturm, but it's uh, it's kind of like the hey, get ready, okay, get out here, and it's uh, it's a working outfit is what it's called. Okay. Um, his hat, his hat with the one little button on there, that's like yeah, a working yeah. outfit. Like the guys oh, that okay. built the West Wall and shit like that, um, mm. they've been wearing that. So that was cool so too. Where, was like, oh, the rad, 
Yeah, R.A.D. Yep. R.A.D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where he came from. Yeah, most uh, likely. Yep. Um, the I'm trying to think. Of, oh, the the one uh like the the one who's kind of a dick. Uh, he has like a very he he has like a full blown uh here uniform with the Litson and all that and the collars. Um, I forgot what his name was. Oh uh, yeah, he, he uh, the uh, the officer. He's the lieutenant. Oh, what about not? Yeah, and he had like some kind of uh armband on I yeah it said it said um um basically danish mind detail oh okay said. huh all right um, so, oh, so that's what they, they gave that to him then okay yeah yep all right so there's always a de facto um pow like leader of the highest rank mm-hmm. so that would be yep. him in this case okay interesting see again this is like shit that you don't ever see in other war films mm-hmm. no so it's very the, the detail was very good and they weren't wearing um badges all that shit there was one kid that was wearing a ek2 ribbon on his um i think it was a fucking panzer wrap but it might have been just a m45 tunic who knows but like uh he was wearing that in one scene and i was like okay cool like that's that's passable but like yeah they the guys were stripped of everything they had and that's realistic you know like that's oh, they yeah. would not have allowed them to wear anything because it's yeah. like you guys lost you're done yeah. You're not POWs. You're now workers. Yeah. So. Um, I get. Yeah, I get. But it's just one of the things I could totally see a movie, you know, fucking up. Also, I the the depictions of the coastal stuff was pretty cool. Um, the uh, you know, you, you don't, we don't just get the the main thing you see in it is the the Teller Mine Forty Two. Mm-hmm. That's like the main one that shows them practicing with. It's the main one they show them disarming. But you also have like Holtz Mine. Uh, you know, stock yep. mines and S mines. It's like that stuff you, I'd never see in movies. No, and that it was really cool. Like they were disarming them, and they were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's ten. It, it is tense. Um, the hedgehogs looked pretty good. The wire looked pretty good. Usually, never see wire. I don't think it was legit European wire, like what it would have been back then. Where did they film it? Looked pretty good. <clears throat> so they filmed in Denmark? Denmark. Yeah, probably. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I th- uh, that that part where they're right next to uh, one of the coastal battery uh, fortifications, uh, I think that's probably a real one that's there. Hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, in reality, like, yeah, and the same thing when they're doing the practice stuff, they're next to like a big command bunker. Yep, um, that's probably real. Uh, the um, they look pre- it looks pretty good, but it's still at the time back in forty five, even at the end of the war, it probably still would not have been as overgrown with stuff you know like as it is right, today but right. it's it still looked good it was still like we're we're going to utilize this and they, they dressed the beaches up to look pretty good they had the you know the uh the octoon meaning signs out there and stuff uh well it was pretty really sparse good. too it was like not like like you see on saving private ryan where it's just right riddled with shit no no there's it's big like, gaps in there what yeah. do you mean i played yep. frontline there's mines over there <laughs> yeah it's no the beach looked good to me it's like it was sparse and it's like yeah, they did put a shitload of mines on there because mm-hmm. they expected an amphibious assault at any point on the northern yep. shore, basically. And it didn't happen, and then just left them there. And so now, yeah, these guys have to go out and dismantle 40,000-plus mines on this one fucking beach. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of mines. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fucking time to, to do that. Um... It was cool how they had um, um, Carl, the the quote-unquote British sergeant who's actually Danish 
they had him kind of be a hard ass because not only did they fuck over his homeland, then he was in the parachute regiment, so he probably saw combat, right? Yeah, so that's yeah, why he's, he's the such a hard one. ass. Yep. Yeah. And it's cool. Uh, did you guys notice that like um, the uh, Danish military um, towards the end when they were like escorting them, they were wearing they were wearing Swedish helmets with Swedish rifles. Uh, I did not notice that. Is that a is that a thing that would have been actually correct? Yes. Yes, okay, because. Cool. A lot of the Danish military um, fled to Sweden and they would have picked up a bunch of this shit and then the Swedes would have been like, yep, take it back. Um, and then, you know, kind of rearm yourselves and all that shit. So, yeah, they're wearing, I was like, why are they not wearing fucking, fucking M23s? Oh, most of those were captured and either melted down or used. And then also the rifles, same thing. Um, and so they would have had Swedish stuff at that point. A lot of them, not all of them, but like a lot of them. So I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Pretty cool. Nice that little touch. Cool yep. Yeah, for sure. We're just full energy tonight. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> for, for those listening, we got off a fucking production that was draining on many levels so uh yeah it's uh we're, we're still recovering from that so sorry if this seems a little low energy oh uh, bother i know. lost my tail again <laughs> <laughs> this might be uh, our shortest I, podcast <laughs> it's a damn good movie and that's yeah that's, that's yeah it's it's, it's not bad at all like it was it wasn't like exemplary it wasn't like shitty it was like just good hmm. and um yeah, Brian. What else? What else is there to say? I'm trying to think. <laughs> this is, right? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> it didn't resonate with me as much as it did with you guys. I've heard a ton oh. about it forever, but I don't know. Could dispute the current state I'm in. He's so tired and shit, but don't know. All right, that's it. Get Nate in here right now. <laughs> Nate, he's this is where you say your portion. You yell at Give a fuck if he's working. <laughs> he's out in the fucking swamps. Oh, he's 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 working, working. He's not just working. Oh no, he's working. So, um, is there so an IMDb Brian, for this or probably not? Yeah, yeah Brian, IMDb. I was just gonna say, pull up an IMFDB if okay. you can. Jamie, well, Michael, how many mines yes. did they put on the Atlantic Wall, or were they supposed to? Because there is that scene in The Longest Day where, like, Rommel, I think it was the true thing too, where he was like, "You have to install more mines." Um, I don't know his specific number, but. uh I know per that uh, meter, in Norm right now, <laughs> shoe mine and tea mine. I know that mines. in Normandy it was supposed to be a certain number, and by the time that like you know D Day had happened, it was only like forty percent complete. So uh, it wasn't nearly as much as the the thing. It's too. It's funny too. Is like Denmark out of all of the like Atlanta, like Denmark was very much more fortified than places like France. Um, which, uh, you know, because that's where they started was up there in the north and then they would work their way down. So a lot of the first parts of the Atlantic Wall were like uh, Denmark and, st- and you know, other places along that area that were that that's where you find a lot of gigantic bunkers and stuff like that, that eventually kind of petered out as you got down to France. Um, yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing to note. So it makes sense that uh, this these kind of things of this, you know, these massive disarming of these mines would be in places like Denmark because yeah, it would have been much more grand than, um, you know, places like France and, uh, you know, some parts of, uh, Belgium and, and the Netherlands. 
So did they, when they made the Atlantic Wall, it was more like they fortified the ports through the U-boats and all that kind of bullshit and then linked them through these yeah. ad hoc fortifications? Because I know we had talked yeah. about Omaha in the past and how like a lot of the units in certain areas that are long enough, they just made shit up. And like they used the rule book a little bit, but they just like kind of figured it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, when the the Atlantic Wall thing first happened, it was uh they started you know at the top and they went down. They started in Norway, and then in Denmark, and in those places you will find like, especially in photos, you'll see like really elaborate stuff. You know, like just fields of wire and and um, you know crazy fortifications. You know, the huge you know regal bow type stuff you know and the big big coastal guns pointed out and stuff like that and uh, that's what they wanted to do for the entire you know channel they wanted to do that for france and and all the way down to spain and stuff like that but um you know as the as things went on obviously you know materials manpower and all that just depleted completely so by the time that they were getting to france and through like there are places in france that are pretty heavily fortified like battery tote uh up around like pot de calais and stuff like that there's some big stuff there um but really once you get down into the places where there was actually a lot of fighting like you know uh um you know calvados and cherbourg and uh you know places like that it's pretty sparse uh compared to the more northern stuff so uh yeah, it uh it definitely did uh peter out as things went went on but it, like i said in for places like Denmark here where these guys are working, it would have been pretty populated with shit that they had to remove. It's funny too, that they were sparsely populated um, or sorry, there were not a lot of defenses in that area of Normandy. Cause there was that raid in 1942. I know it was East of Lahar, but on that radar station. So, and there was also that raid that we talked about a long time ago, Aquitaine. Aquitaine. So the, yeah, yeah, the so, yeah. So there were small raids on the coast. Um, yeah. Uh, a matter of time, could... like you said. Yeah, uh, those raids, you know, they could easily get in. There were places like where those those raids would happen where they would then, you know, build up the... Uh, they would want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Like, you know, Aquatint, which happened on what would become Omaha Beach, you know, that little sector, they eventually put a big barricade there so no one could sail in there anymore, like how they, they, they did when uh, Aquatint happened. But... Um, yeah, it's just interesting. There's gaps and stuff like that, little stuff. But originally, they did want it to be a long, continuous, just stream of you know fortifications. But you know, basic stuff you would see in a video game, you know, that whole thing where it's just like endless bunkers as far as you can see. They wanted to do that, but they couldn't. So a giant like clone trooper helmeted bunker coming out of a cliff with two MG forty twos facing out of it, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I always thought that's a that's something ironic is that, uh, you know, movies and video games, they like to depict the stuff how the Germans wanted it depicted. <laughs> you know, they wanted people to believe, you know, I've read me- lots of memoirs of, you know, German soldiers and stuff who would go to the Atlantic Wall, like, you know, Franz Gockel, um, uh, Alois Reckers and, you know, Heinrich Severlo. And they said that when we got when they got there, they were insanely disappointed by what they saw they were like we thought we were going to see what we saw you know in the the newsreels of battery tote the giant fortresses and stuff and they just have a couple you know little bunkers that are like the size of a house so and here come the allies like yeah exactly but uh um 
I, I, I did think for, they didn't really show any much fortification, coastal fortifications, but for what they did show in the movie, I, I'm pretty sure that's real stuff that's up there around Denmark because I haven't studied the Atlantic Wall of Denmark much, but when I have looked at stuff, they are pretty gigantic. They're much bigger than what you see in Normandy. Yeah, and it's funny because there's nothing on the East Coast, which makes sense because they had to worry about the defenses of the East Coast of Denmark, but mm-hmm. the Atlantic side was all that mattered. Um, did, it ex- wall, did it extend up into Norway, or they really didn't care because the fjords and everything? I no, really the Norway was where it started. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, hmm. it did start. It oh. started all the way up in Norway by the um, I forget what that's called. Where it's like that area between the tip of England and Norway, but uh, that's kind of where it all began. Was up there. The Arctic Sea is up that way. Yeah, I think it's like the tip of the North Sea. I think is, mm. is where it's. And then there are a number of islands through there too, where the Germans would build like little fortresses and such. Well, those are the famous British islands of Jersey that were occupied. Yep. Yep. Same thing. So what are they called? Uh, Guernsey and Jersey. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, they have a TV show about their occupation during the war. Really, I have never heard of that. Yeah, it's a British production. I'll have to see. They had a few episodes or like a season or two, but it starts through, with them being occupied and ends with them being liberated. Obviously, nice. but gonna... you get the full story. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm gonna look up where they filmed this and see if like what exact uh, area area they utilized. Let's see here. Production began in July 2014 and ended in August 2014. The film was shot at historically authentic locations. Yeah, including. The I can't pronounce that uh, and areas of Do it. day. No, dude, Do it's it. not going to happen. It's Do one of those. It. It's one of those Do words it. that has letters that don't exist in our English language. Um, ox ox borlerje. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Gorlami. Yeah, it's like that. It's uh, grazzi. You got to roll. You got to roll the z. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make my uh, my Google uh, uh, pronounce it for me. Let's see here, Oaks Baladren. So ah yes, yeah, and Varde. So I, I uh, know it well. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. The use of the historical beaches led to the discovery of a real live mine during the production. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> wow. So what we were just talking about, uh, you know, people, you know, not being able to get all these little bastards. Yeah. Right. And then discovering them way the hell Walking on the beach. Thank God I don't weigh as much as a fucking vehicle. (laughs) Which actor found it? Like, yeah, the one that's not in the movie. This is a really awesome prop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. I was imagining very very rusty. It's kind of yeah. Oh, that thing wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Clunk, clunk, boom. Right. They still find artifacts along you know the the English coast all the time. You know. uh, or the you know the the French coast and the around that area the whole channel um, along Omaha they st- what they they the thing they find the most are uh, old life belts American life belts hmm. pulled out of the sand um, that's lovely interesting <laughs> there's that um, in England there's a ship that was sunk that was full of ammunition in 1944 and it's like 20 miles off the coast of Kent I believe and if mm-hmm. it ever goes up then it's like you know it's gonna it's gonna be really bad, like equivalent yeah. of like a half a Hiroshima. So there yeah. is some stuff that's lying around the UK. I know that um, they, will this war ever end? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I know that uh, that guy Mark Felton Productions just had a video about cluster munitions during the Second World War, 
mm. and how the last one was found because the Germans dropped them on England at different points was found in like 2015 and the last guy that was killed by ordinance in the UK was like 1958 wow so yeah it's it's out there you know I think there's a German U-boat uh, sunk somewhere um, maybe in the Mediterranean that has a whole bunch of mercury inside it uh it's off the coast of that? norway yeah yeah okay well, i was totally wrong there, there's okay, one with the uranium norway. but yeah it's yeah. they're both really deep and both like around them nothing is living mm-hmm. i think the uranium one is, is less so it's more of a story but the mercury one is pretty toxic um and they might encapsulate it but they do keep an eye on it there's a few nuclear subs that have sunk over the last mm. 60 years that they keep an eye on they have like dives every year to to check levels but yeah but it's crazy we're going to go back into our fat man and little boy discussion. <laughs> the, that was um, the Germans were sending U-boats full of very important raw materials to Japan at the end of the war so mm-hmm. that they can do stuff. And there was a lot of U-boats that or not a lot, but I think there were two or three, a handful that ended up like, you know, <clears throat> arriving in Japan right at the tail end or be- right before the war ended, mm-hmm. and, you know, because that's how long the trek took three or four months. And the Germans actually had it for U-boats operating out of, uh, I think it was Vietnam or Thailand, one of those ports. But there actually were actually hmm. cases where American sailors in the Pacific sank German U-boats, which is just insane. And they were like, when Germans started popping up on the surface, we thought we were going mad. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fronts colliding, Jesus. Right. But uh, yeah, do we want to do a IMFDB on this thing? Yeah, there is one. So I can share it or if somebody else wants to. If you want to share it. December 2015 released. Wow. It's a great Christmas movie. <laughs> so we got the Bergman 1910-21. I don't know anything about that, but interesting looking gun. One of Nate's favorite pistols. Is It is? Oh, yeah. So why isn't he here? Well, I know why he's not here, but like, <laughs> God damn it. He's uh, playing Creature from the Black Lagoon tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, they're very cool. I think that they use a few of these in The Mandalorian. At least the base. It, it the looks base like the the springboard for a Star Wars gun. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Early semi-automatics. Mm-hmm. And then Wibbly Mark Six. Weebly. Weebly. Yeah, those British assholes. Sume. <laughs> no, keep you thirty-one. Nice. They're great. It's like a coffin mag. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's got the coffin mag in there. Yeah, yep. it's a great look. Yeah. We have yet to do any finished movies. We'll have to get to one eventually. Good old Denison. His patches like look glued on. I know they were sewn and I know that that was a look during the war, but it was very uh Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not not used much <laughs> that tunic. Hey dude, at least like for this movie, because like there's a scene in Band of Brothers where there are it's it's in it's towards the end of the war, it's in episode nine, nineteen forty five and two french soldiers step out and you tom execute. hanks yeah it's not tom hanks uh, executes uh, a couple of them and they're wearing french uniforms that look like they're from 1940 you know at least with this movie they show that this guy is has been given you know has has other uh uniforms from another country which how it would yep. have been for these guys so the danes used the crag before the war if i remember yes. correctly and then they used the Mauser model 1896 as a holdover, or do they continue to use uh, that? That's the one they got from Sweden, and it was yeah, mm-hmm. it was a holdover, and it was not a, a lot of them. It was just some that had mm-hmm. fled to Sweden, 
and then gone back and that's how they're wearing swedish helmets as well in these scenes interesting um what did did they continue using the crag after the war or what did they switch to eventually i have no idea uh, i i think they did and then i don't know what they they, they probably went to the um did, wait, did they, well, they use the, the m1 F- they use the m1 uh, the, yeah there, there are danish m1s yep Yep. So they they use a lot of that shit like post post war and uh this is just yeah this is like an interim holdover kind of mm-hmm. for some reason thing. the FN forty nine comes to mind but I can't remember no they, sure. they they adapted the M one they didn't okay. they didn't it was Luxembourg Belgium um Egypt yeah Egypt and uh, Venezuela yeah the South American countries but yeah, it wasn't because most people were using the M one and then they went to the FAL immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all the um, Marshall Program countries. They got all the surplus from the war. Um, right. Yeah. I've never heard of Swedish uh, carbines. Or, sorry, uh, Danish carbines, though. Definitely Danish carbines. But that's interesting. They existed. They're just very hard to get. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting, too, is that... Uh, or not kind of interesting, at least. Is that the 1896s were also... The Swedish ones, especially, were kind of used in the Winter War a little bit. Uh, very, very, very small amounts by Swedish volunteers. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, but mm-hmm. yep, by Swedish volunteers, and yeah, it was a logistical nightmare. But um, yeah, there was a very, very small amount of them used in the Winter War and the can you mostly continuation war, and it was a lot of rear echelon guys. Yep. Have you ever seen so, Italian Hutta? Or no? Nope. We'll get to it, but they have a great scene with uh, Swedish volunteers in Finland until they didn't understand anything. Well, language-wise, but anyway. Yeah, they also uh, they also kept them on, on the rear of the lines because they didn't want them to get killed. So, mm-hmm. not all the time, but anyway, interesting to see the influx of stuff and you know how they helped out other countries at the end of the war. Uh, oh, it's surprising you see Kennedy Eight in this theater. Yeah, never would have guessed. Right. Maybe the late war version two of the telemine. <clears throat> the little uh, topic because they had an earlier pressure plate that looked a little different where it's just it looked just like a like a dome yep mm-hmm. yeah. well, is that cgi no mm, i don't know honestly. that's practical i just don't know like what they could be just the bottoms of pots behind mm-hmm. them yeah at what point you know i'm really glad they got like the holtz mine yeah the, yeah right here mm-hmm. yeah right that that was a terrifying son of a bitch yeah And yep. trying to find that thing. Right. So that's a cool little detail too, is that when they, they like put these little death's head flags. flags. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Oh yeah, we're not recording this like Nate always does, are we? This nope. <laughs> Sorry, it'd be a lame podcast. Next yeah. time. It's a good movie, a lame podcast. Yeah, the stock mine, man, that fucking thing. Yeah, it's again something you usually never see in movies. It's like shit. They they did a good job with the wires and everything. Like that's so cool. They're having to like take the wires off the top of them. Was the uh, teller mines on like logs only a Normandy thing then? Uh, that's that's a Normandy thing. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. That is a that is a strictly Rommel thing. Hmm. Is that that design? So yeah, you wouldn't see stuff like that here. So I guess uh, his the Rommel's asparagus or whatever it was. It was also That's purely a, a Rommel. Rommel's asparagus refers to not a, like usually refers to the logs that they put up in fields to take yeah. down gliders, mm-hmm. but it also does re- sometimes refer to to that. Like I've seen instances where they call it that. You know the oh uh, really the mines yeah the logs with the mines on huh. them yeah 
Did they have uh, an actual term, like by the book or whatever, or just the the law? They're just defenses? I forgot what the German word is it, but word is but they just call them mine posts or the uh, the uh, the the what like the ramps. That's called a uh, uh, ham uh, hemelbalk, I think. Yeah, hemelbalk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the the English uh, phrase is for it, but usually they're just called like log ramps. Is what I usually hear see them called. That it's designed to basically flip a landing craft if it comes, you know, mm-hmm. within contact with it. And then they thought, oh, well, you know, we'll do one better than that. We'll put some fucking mines on it. So mm-hmm. you know, if if it comes in contact, if mm-hmm. it goes, we'll only tip it over, but it'll blow it the fuck up. And um, so yeah, there are instances where you see the log ramps with the mines on them, but then there are some where they don't have mines on them. But uh, yeah, then there are just straight up logs with mines on the tops of them. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Just improvisation. And those are faced inwards, right? Like uh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're not facing. They're not pointed outwards. They're pointed inwards. So, like, if yeah, if it's if it's like this, the landing craft is coming towards it. It tips it over. You know, yep. or it like goes up the ramp and then the the it hits and then the mine. it was designed to like if it if it's trying to back out, it blows it up and blows the engine and everything, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Or if it's just you know if it happens to go up that ramp and then co- come in contact with those yep. with that mine, it would blow it up. There's some cases where they would strap like four or five mines onto them. Yeah. So it'd be like bam, 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 bam. If it went up, it. Wow. Fucking Are there any nightmare. cases of it actually working? Oh yeah. Normandy or mm-hmm. yeah, wow. absolutely. Hmm. The uh, number of the. Um, what are they? Uh, LCVPs uh, were scuttled that way, and mm. you can see photo see photos of them uh, sitting on like the the shore after D Day, completely like blown in half. Wow, huh? Which is funny because a lot of people think that those hit you know Higgins boats mm-hmm. are made of steel. They're actually mostly made of plywood. <clears throat> uh, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. One thing that so people, they think because they're painted that that bluish gray color that they're they're made of steel, but they're actually made of plywood, so they could just atomize those fucking things. That's why there's like none left anymore because they all rotted away. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Very interesting, because you know the way that you hear about Normandy, that it's like, oh well, they went in at low tide, so <laughs> that it was fine, but then it just turned to terrible. Dude, the the tide rises throughout the day. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. by eleven a.m., the tide had risen completely, and boats were still coming in at that point. Well, the MVB guys were dead by that point, so. Mm-hmm. The shoe mines. These were very devastating during the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so were these. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. the S mines. Yeah. At least you could detect an S mine. There was Bouncing another. Betties. There was another nasty German mine. It was like a metal mine that was like a meter long, by like two or three inches, and it was anti-tank or anti-vehicle. So you can catch something like a track or whatever. Mm. They're very nasty. You see them sometimes. But um Yeah. A lot of mines. Yeah, land of mine. Yes. Um I think the actual I think that's the American or English uh the distribution title for it. Apparently the actual the title it was released under is Under the Sand. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know why they decided to change it, but yeah, they, they under the uh, sand. Yeah, it was uh, Unter dem Sand. Yeah, is the actual title of it. Hmm. Yeah, the Danish looked uh, definitely different than the actual title, because <laughs> you know there's always a relation in some way, shape, or form, and it definitely looks more like Under the Sand than you know, <laughs> Land mm-hmm. of Mine. <clears throat> 
I think the mind's a clever title though, because it's you know it it, it, yep. it not only you know uh, does it you know the land of minds, but it's also you know it it ties in with the theme of the film. You know, yeah, good movie. Uh, cinematography really good. I thought everything looked really nice. Uh, the uh, the camera work and all that was good. Good B roll too. Yeah, yeah. Should probably get forward with our ratings. Yeah, I guess that's a good idea. Um, not much more to say. <laughs> well, since I I think I liked it most, then everyone else start. Um, I uh, yeah, like I say, I think it's it covers something that's that has not been talked about a lot, um, and that is always a big positive, and it does it in a very interesting and unique way. Um, I uh, I thought it was well written. I liked the directing. Uh, everything else I said, all the details. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Decent. Yeah, so, moik. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah like you said, it's it's just a, it's a, it's a really good film. It didn't, like, you know, change my life, but it also was, like, worth the watch, for sure. And, um, yeah. Good cinematography, good details. Um, not really overdone, which is a good thing. Very uncommon with European cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is what it is. And it, again, it told a story that nobody probably would have even thought about unless this was made, which I respect. So yeah, seven and a half out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot about this, um, over the years and definitely is worth watching. Um, again, to me, it just seems a little repetitive, but it's a very cool subject. And it's cool how you see all the different minds and everything. And uh, 100% worth a watch. So if you're looking for a war film that's a little bit out of the ordinary, definitely check it out. That being said, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. So, All right. Solid film. So putting the scores into the computer that will tell us if the mine Michael's working on is going to blow up, we get a 7.5 out of 10. So it's a very decent movie. Yeah, I definitely recommend yep. it. For sure. Yep. Nice. All right, should we stop recording? Well, uh, I guess, yeah. Final thoughts, Mike? I'm good. <laughs> Don't make movies. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.